In his work of redemption, God chooses to save us not merely as individual people, but by establishing us as a people for himself, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. And this is the significance of the vineyard that we read about in the scriptures today. In our first reading from Isaiah, the vineyard is the house of Israel. Now when the original caretakers do not receive his son, the master gives the care of his vineyard over to others. And so in Matthew's gospel that we just heard from, the vineyard is the new Israel. It's the church. We are God's people. We are the people that he has formed. And what defines us as a people are the things that we have in common. Now the church is made up of people from every race and every nation. And so what defines us as a people, it's not our ethnicity and it's not where we happen to live, but it's our common religion. It's our faith and our religious practices. In other words, it's not something passive. It's not something that just happens to us. It's something that we have to actively choose. So to be a Christian, that's an intentional way of life. And that's why Christ called his followers disciples. Disciples, that word means student. Because Christianity is something for us to learn and to put into practice. Like St. Paul instructs us in the second reading, keep on doing what you have learned and received. And so to help us with that, I want to offer today six practical but essential elements of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. These six things, it's not an official list by any means. It doesn't come from the Catechism or the Vatican. But they're just things that I've observed are necessary to live a fruitful Christian life. And the very first one on the list is this. Go to Mass. Go to Mass. So good news, you're all doing that one already, right? You might think that goes without saying because we are here, right? We're here at Mass, so aren't I just preaching to the choir? But I want you to share this with your family and with your friends who should be here and who aren't. I hope you will. Because it's of vital importance to our identity as Christians that we come together on the Lord's Day to worship God. I could preach a whole homily on all the reasons to come to Mass. I could preach a series of homilies on all the reasons to come to Mass. But I told you I had six points to make, and so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to focus on one. One reason, and it's this. Liturgy is corporate worship. It's corporate worship. And that word corporate today, we hear that and we associate it with corporations, and that doesn't have the best connotations for many of us today. But I want us to be mindful of the Latin root of that word corporate, which is corpus. It means body. It means body. The liturgy is the body of Christ at prayer. And every baptized Christian is a member of that body, of the body of Christ. We're not part of different bodies. We're all part of the same one body. And the Mass is when that body comes together to offer the sacrifice of the Son to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's when we unite our fallen humanity with Christ's glorified humanity in worshiping the divinity. That's what we do here. That's why we come together on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, as a body, as the church has been doing since the time of the apostles. And brothers and sisters, when part of the body is missing, we feel it. 
We do. When you're not here, we miss you. We do miss you. It's like a wound. And that's why the law of the church ordinarily obliges us to participate in Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligations. Because there's nothing that we do that's more important than what we do here. So if you intentionally miss Mass without a grave reason, it's a sin. Because you're not only doing harm to yourself by depriving yourself of a spiritual good, but you're doing harm to the body. Now, there are legitimate reasons why you might not be able to come to Mass, right? If you're sick or if you're taking care of someone who's sick, or if you're traveling in a part of the world where there are no churches, or if your work that you do is a vital necessity, like you're a doctor, or a nurse, or a police officer, or a firefighter, or something like that. Or if there's a pandemic, right? And that's as we're in now, and that's why our bishop has dispensed us from the obligation to attend mass for the time being. But we have to understand something about you know, the live-streamed liturgies and the televised masses and all these things that, that are um, becoming more common now as we respond to the pandemic, those things are good and they're meant as a comfort for those who are not able to come to Mass, but they can't substitute for the Mass, and they were never meant to. God became incarnate to be with us in person, and he left us his real physical presence in the Eucharist, and that means our faith is incarnational and it's personal, and you, you can't experience that through a screen. We can think about live stream liturgies the same way that, that we can think about doing a video chat with a loved one that you're not able to see. You're grateful for the opportunity to do that, right? It's, it's a good thing. You're glad to have the ability to do that video chat, but it's not the same as actually being with them. It's not the same as being able to put your arms around them and give them a hug, and we know that. So we should think about live stream liturgies the same way. Wouldn't you rather be here in person? So while we may not currently be under an obligation to attend Mass, we shouldn't need a, a legal obligation to motivate us to be here if we can. If we can. So that's the first point. Go to Mass. The second essential element of discipleship that we need to be intentional about is having a habit of personal daily prayer. Personal daily prayer. St. Paul says in our second reading, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. He says in another letter, to pray without ceasing. Now to pray means to focus your mind and your heart on God. And we should always be mindful of God. That's why he says, pray without ceasing. But that's difficult. It's hard to do. The world is full of distractions. St. Paul also admits we do not know how to pray as we ought. And that's what it means to make prayer a discipline. It's why we need to make it a discipline because we have to learn how to pray. And every Christian needs a daily prayer regimen, a dedicated time in your day when we turn away from the distractions of the world and focus our attention on God. And you have to be intentional about that. You can't just say, I want to pray every day. Because you won't. If that's all you do is just say, I want to pray every day. You won't. You need a practical plan. You need to be specific. When will you pray? Where will you pray? Think strategically about it. Right? If you need to set a reminder on your phone, do it. Put it on your calendar, just like anything else that's important. What will you pray? Will you pray the rosary? Will you pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet? Do a little Lectio Divina with a daily gospel reading? Have in mind what it is that you're going to pray before that time comes. 
The church has many forms of devotion, and if you need help, if you need inspiration, get a good Catholic prayer book or talk to another Catholic about how they pray. We need to talk about our prayer lives more often with each other. But the point is, just do it. Right? Try to pray for at least 15 minutes. That's 1% of your day is 15 minutes. You can do that. Pray longer if you can, but just do it every day. Because prayer is how we make room in our lives for those intimate encounters with God. And you have to be intentional about that. Right? Because if you don't do it, then no other aspect of our faith is going to have the meaning that it should have. So pray every day. The third essential element of discipleship that you have to be intentional about is going to regular confession. Go to regular confession. The church requires us to go to confession once a year. That's the minimum. But don't aim for the minimum. If you aim for the minimum, what happens if you miss? If your goal that you set for yourself is just to go to confession once a year, it's real easy, believe me, to miss that goal. You need to be mindful of that. You need to go even if you don't feel like you need to go. If you wait until you feel like you need to go to confession, you've waited too long. You need to commit to going on a frequent, regular schedule whether you feel like it or not. I recommend at least once a month. Some people might choose to go more often than that. You're always going to have sins to confess, even venial sins. If you don't think you have any venial sins to confess, then confess the sin of pride. Right? We're all in need of God's mercy. And going to confession on a regular schedule keeps you humble. And it keeps serious sins from, from being able to take root in your life. Just like you go to the dentist on a regular schedule for a tooth cleaning to prevent cavities from forming. Right? Confession's the same way. It should be an intentional part of your life. You should plan for it. When will you go? First Fridays? How often will you go? Put it on your calendar like you do any other important appointment and stick to it because that's your appointment with divine mercy. You don't want to miss it. Now related to confession, the fourth essential element of discipleship is penance. We need to do regular penance. Most Catholics, I think, only think about penance during Lent. Right? And that's exactly why we need to talk about it now when it's not Lent. Because penance can't be limited to just one season of the year. If you look up penance in the Catechism, it tells you that interior penance means turning your heart away from sin and toward God. That's what penance is. Interior penance is turning your heart away from sin and toward God. And the outward acts of penance that we do are meant either to be expressions of that interior penance or actions that inspire us to that interior penance. But it's all about that turning away from sin and turning towards God. In other words, it's about conversion. Now, should conversion be limited to one time a year? No, we need conversion every day. And so that's why we need to do regular penance for our spiritual health. It's good for us. We feed our souls by letting our bellies go empty once in a while. When we wake up early for prayer, when we deny ourselves some creature comfort that we want, it's good for us to learn how to get by without these things. It's how we learn detachment. I mean, you're going to have to leave all of this behind when you go anyway, so don't cling on to it too tightly. I'm not saying you have to make the whole year into one long perpetual Lent. That would be abysmal, right? These dedicated times of penance in the church are also important, but we ought to incorporate some mild form of regular penance just in our lives generally, especially on Fridays, which the church sets aside as times of penance, 
And you need to be intentional about that. And again, be specific and be practical. Think about what it's going to be. Maybe on Fridays, you're going to give up dessert. That'll be your regular penance. Or do the traditional thing and abstain from meat on Fridays. Maybe on Saturdays, instead of sleeping in, you'll wake up a little earlier and get some extra prayer time in. Or on Wednesdays, maybe you'll decide to skip lunch at work and give that money instead to someone in need. Spend your lunch hour here in the church in front of the Blessed Sacrament. You need to do this regularly because to really learn the spiritual lessons that penance has to teach us, which are lessons of conversion, you need more than 40 days during Lent. It takes longer for these lessons to sink in for most of us. So penance should be a regular and intentional part of your life as a Christian. Now the fifth element that I want to mention, the fifth one, we've said go to Mass, pray every day, go to confession, do penance. The fifth one is to study. Study. Remember the word disciple means student. So every one of us should be making a regular effort to learn about our faith. God has made you a caretaker in his vineyard. So let me ask you, do you know how to grow grapes? If someone gave you a vineyard, I think I'd go to the library and check out a book on how to grow grapes. (laughs) You have to learn what it means to do this task that God has given you. Now, the good news is that there's never been a time when there's been more information about our faith at our disposal. But we have to be intentional about using it. Do you have a Bible reading plan? Are you familiar with the catechism? Do you know how it's organized? Do you know how to look things up in it if you need to have a question that you need answered? Are there Catholic books that you want to read that people have recommended to you? Make a list. Start reading them. Work your way through it. If reading isn't your thing, check out formed.org. There's all kinds of Catholic videos and audio books there you can listen to. And signing up is free because we have a parish account. You just sign up under our parish account and it's free. It's easy, but like everything else I've mentioned, you have to be intentional about it because it's not going to happen on its own. Set aside time during your day for study. It doesn't have to be much time. You just have to do it. So what does all this that I'm talking about look like in practice? Well, let's say you you set aside 15 minutes first thing in the day when you wake up to pray a rosary while you have your cup of coffee in the morning. That's your prayer time, starting off the day with God, praying your rosary. And then you set aside 15 minutes at the beginning of your lunch break at work to, to read a little bit from your Catholic study Bible. There's your study time. So far, it's just half an hour a day that you've committed, and that will change your life. It will change your life. Decide what your regular penance is going to be. Right? Maybe it's giving up the internet on weekends so you can spend more time with your family. Make a commitment to be at Mass every Sunday and go to confession once a month. And guess what? You're living the life of a disciple. But there's one thing left. I told you I had six points, and so far I've only mentioned five. Go to Mass regularly. Regular daily prayer regular confession, regular penance, and regular study. And the sixth point is this. You need to find your people. Find your people. Because it is so important for us to have the support of other people who are on the same journey as we are. You need to find your people. Now, in a very real way, the church is your people. We're all the people of God. But the church is big. 
Church is real big, and it's really easy to get lost. It's really easy to remain anonymous. Even in a little parish like St. Mary's, it's easy to be anonymous and kind of fade into the background. I know. That's why you need a small group of people where this great big church that we're all in can get personal and where you can be known and loved and supported as an individual. We need that kind of fellowship, and that means we need to find our people in the church. And it can look like many different things. Maybe it's your family. Maybe that's your people. Maybe it's a group of a few friends. That's beautiful. Maybe you need to join a more organized group, like the Knights of Columbus, or the Lake Carmelites, or some group like that. Or join a small group Bible study. That's why we offer the small group Bible studies, so that people can connect with a small group of fellow Catholics. I know they've been on hold since the start of the coronavirus, but they're going to be resuming soon. And if you're interested, please contact Brian Raming. His contact information is in the bulletin this weekend. If maybe you're interested in starting a small group Bible study. We need more people to do that. Contact Brian, please. My point is that God has made us caretakers in his vineyard, but he does not expect us to labor in his vineyard alone. We, we get to ask for help. We need our people. He does expect us to bear fruit. And if we're going to do that, we need to be intentional about our work as Christians. Because if we don't tend the vineyard, it will be overgrown with weeds and thorns. Cultivating God's vineyards requires intentionality on our part and a little bit of effort. St. Augustine famously said, God made us without our help, but he will not save us without our help. These six aspects of discipleship that I've mentioned, they're not the end-all and be-all of Christianity, but they are an essential part of it. Go to Mass. Pray every day. Go to confession. Do penance. Study the faith. And find your community. If you're intentional about doing these things, I am certain that you will experience the fruit of God's grace in your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ.